Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Friday. It is our wild card preview podcast. Browns at Texans Saturday at 4.30. We were just talking all thrown off this week. It's a it's a Thursday as we're recording this, which is normally a Friday, uh, but whatever. You guys all don't care about that. We're going to preview the game. We're going to give you three things to watch. Uh, Lance Risen is going to join us to break down the film. Tyler Shoemaker is going to take you through all the games this weekend and tell you what his numbers are showing you compared to what some of the lines and totals are. And then also... We'll come back and make our picks for this game. Mary Kay just rolling along on the picks. I updated the post today. 14 and 3. Wow. Wow. Overall. I should be wearing some kind of little tiara today, don't even, you think? Even doing well against the spread. Really? I think you've clinched at least a tie for the victory overall wow. because I'm three games behind you. So, so well, no, there oh, could be four games left. Oh yeah. But I think we're all going to pick the same thing this week. So I oh, think you I probably think so. clinched. Uh, I think you probably clinched the title. Whatever. Okay. All right. Three things we're watching. Mary Kay, why don't you go first? Oh my goodness, there is so much to watch in this game. It's going to be amazing. But I'm going to go with the man of the hour, Joe Flacco. What can he do against this Texans defense? We saw what he did last time. He threw for 300 and I can't remember the exact number, and I usually do remember <laughs> the exact number. But there's been so many 300-yard games, I can't remember exactly what comes after the three. But, uh, you know, this is going to be about Joe Flacco going down there, proving to the world that he is still an elite playoff quarterback that can take a team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he's got this amazing connection going with Amari Cooper. He's got a great connection going with David Njoku. And if you just had that, if you just had Joe to Amari and Joe to David, you're going to win a lot of games that way. You couple that with the defense and it's dynamite. So I'm going Joe Flacco and what he's going to be able to do with that cannon arm of his and that 38-year-old body of his, <laughs> these guys should have, you know, some players back. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. They're not practicing this week. They're two edge rushers, haven't practiced all week. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, as we tape this, we're not sure about that quite yet. Um, but Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, they're 12-and-a-half sacker. Uh, you know, they've been idle with injuries all week. Um, they'll try to make it a lot more difficult on Joe. If they don't make it back, it's good night, Irene. <laughs> Yeah, we should know. We're recording this. It's a little bit after 11 on Thursday morning um, with travel schedules and things like that. We're getting this knocked out a little early. So we haven't seen status updates yet for, for those Texans. We don't know if they've been ruled out, if they're questionable, uh, if they have no status. So we don't know some of that as we're recording this. But Ashley, with Flacco, has never lost in the wild card round, hasn't been in the playoffs since he only went to the playoffs once after that Super Bowl run. Uh, so it's been a little while for him. But it's just, you know, I was looking through some stuff and it's just mind boggling. Like, after he left Baltimore, he went three and fourteen as a starter. That's like number one. If you go three and fourteen in the NFL in a season, you've got the number one pick. 
So for him to come here and do this is pretty incredible. And now he's got a chance to, once again, he's back in the playoffs finally. It's been nine years. And he's got a chance to kind of rekindle some of that, that magic from Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think it's been that long. It's also crazy to think about the Super Bowl run itself. We were just talking about this the other day. And for as much as we hammer on Joe for the interceptions, that Super Bowl when he threw zero, right? He threw no interceptions yeah. through four games. 11 uh, touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, which is crazy. So I, I do think, again, we've been talking about it and even hearing him talk this week, knowing about this team meeting they had on Tuesday that everyone got very secretive about after the fact. <laughs> um, it's just, it's not only how well he's been playing, it is that experience of being able to shepherd these younger guys along. And they've really bought in, I think, to what Joe is selling. Like, not just this team message, but he ingrained himself so quickly into this locker room. And I think it's going to be key right now. I will also throw another disclaimer out there. We're in the hallway here outside the media room, and apparently everything has started happening now in Berea. So there, Moose was out there. That's what distracted David at the beginning yeah. of this that I'm Moose. assuming he cut out. <laughs> well, so yeah, I got distracted. I didn't know. I can't see around the corner. Moose the dog was out there. We've got conversations, speakerphones, all sorts of stuff. So this is life in Berea here, uh, trying to get this recorded. Um, all right, Ashley, what are you watching in this game? Well, I will go with... The Browns defense, since Mary Kay took the Browns quarterback, but specifically, how is this Browns defense going to look against C.J. Stroud? Because I think that's the other story, how well he's been playing this year. 23 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Um, we know that he's been very clutch for a rookie. He hasn't made a ton of mistakes. And I think the flip side of that is, while the Browns didn't have to see C.J. Stroud a couple weeks ago, C.J. Stroud didn't have to see this defense. And when you look at, you know, he lost Tank Dell, who was a big weapon for him. He's out. But that connection with Nico Collins is something I'm really interested in. I think the Browns have a good matchup opportunity there with Martin Emerson. If they could get Grant Dulpit out there this weekend, that's another big body that they can kind of throw his way. So I'm really fascinated to see what CJ looks like on this stage and if the Browns defense just comes out and does what I think they're going to do and just plays with their hair on fire. So it, this is so interesting because we didn't see the full Texans offense, right? We didn't see CJ, obviously, but we also didn't see Dalton Schultz, who's, who's been really good for them, and he's been an important guy. But at the same time, Eric, a part of me is just like, does it even matter? Like, this Browns defense is so good and so dominant, and I know they haven't been as good on the road, but they're so good and so dominant. Like, does it even matter? Like, they... There's not anyone they should be scared of. And as great as CJ has been, and I even hate calling him a rookie quarterback at this point because he's you've been in the league so long now. Like These guys aren't rookies anymore, and he's played at such a high level already. Um, he's scary. Like This is a scarier team with him, but I don't think the Browns are like scared of him. Oh, my gosh, no. I'll tell you what. Uh, this is the boombox defense that you're going to see showing up on Saturday in Houston. This defense I've never covered a more confident, more dominant defense that believes in itself more than this one does. They know, they absolutely know they can go out and vanquish any quarterback in the NFL. They're not scared of anybody. They're not scared of Patrick Mahomes. They're not scared of Josh Allen. They're not scared of Lamar Jackson. I mean, they're just not. They know what they are. They know what they have. And they know that one game at a time, they just have to handle their business and they can accomplish the goals that this team set forth back at the Greenbrier. And uh, I think they're, they're going to be dominant and amazing on Saturday. And, and here's one of the key things. They're getting 
all of their key guys back healthy. They're getting Juan Thornhill back. He's been to the to Super Bowls. They're getting Oboe back. He's been to the Super Bowl. So they're as healthy as they've been all season long, and they are going to be loaded for bear. And you put a rookie quarterback in front of them, they're going to be salivating. They're going to be just ready to take his head off, basically. Uh, so it, it's, you know, it's going to be a sight to behold. Now, they haven't played, of course, as well on the road, but I, I think I think they'll be okay. I really do. I think they're going to go down there, and I think they're going to handle their business, and I think they're going to dominate. And I think the interesting thing, too, is like this is – like, stars get made in the playoffs, right? And I feel like there's a lot of players on this team that people know and they are kind of stars, but they haven't quite reached that next level yet. I mean, even Miles Garrett could make a big statement in this playoff run, and he could build some real momentum. I mean, he might win defensive player of the year anyway, but he could build some real momentum going into next year. It's like, wait, is Miles the best player? In play? He like some of that Aaron Donald-type momentum. Um Denzel Ward, right? People know Denzel is good, but make a few plays in the postseason. Martin Emerson's a young guy. I feel like there's a lot of guys on this defense that still want to prove who they are and prove how good they are. And Greg Newsom is, is another guy, obviously. Um, so, the, and this is where like stars are made. They, in the NFL it's in January, and if you make a bunch of plays over the next three, four games, suddenly you kind of get into this new stratosphere moving forward. And I think I think guys kind of understand that a little bit, Ashley. Yeah, I definitely think that the Browns have a ton of those candidates. And I do think those guys feel ready for this moment. Like, they've come into the season, like Mary Gay said, they've been talking about doing this and going to the postseason, going to the Super Bowl since the Greenbrier. They've been talking about it amongst themselves, thinking about it. And I think they've truly believed that they are the best defense in the NFL. And I think I wrote this in a post-game story. They go out there and play like it every single week. And I think especially on that defensive side of the ball, um, where guys are maybe younger, they haven't had a chance to play on this stage yet since it's been a few years, um, they have a chance to do that and to make some noise. So I'm really fascinated by how they're going to step up to the stakes, but I definitely think they're they're ready for it, just based on how they've talked all year. And uh, the other thing to consider is we keep hearing over and over and over again that the Texans don't turn the ball over. Well, I think the Browns' defense is about to change that. C.J. Stroud has only thrown five interceptions this whole entire season, which is remarkable considering that he has thrown for more than 4,000 yards. And I think the Browns have that circled in red, and these guys are going to go out there and do everything that they possibly can to force some takeaways. Okay, what am I going to watch here in, the, in this game? You guys, you guys took the really good ones there. Um, let's go with, you know what, I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski. We don't talk enough about Kevin Stefanski, so let's take some time and talk about Kevin Stefanski because a few years ago when this team was in the wild card game, Kevin Stefanski was sitting in his basement. So, of course, he was part of the game planning and the scripting and all of that, but when the time came to actually coach a playoff game, he had to hand the reins over to Mike Prefer, and he had to sit in his basement. Came back, divisional game against Kansas City, and he loses. So... I'm sure Kevin Stefanski, even though he'd never admit it, is pretty excited to get out there and stand on the sideline and coach a playoff game with a chance to maybe win a playoff game too. And he's probably going to win coach of the year. This is sort of when I talk about 
guys kind of going to that next level and that next, you know, kind of getting into the stratosphere here. It's a chance for Kevin Stefanski to kind of show all this hype this year. Everybody's talking him up like it's legitimate. Good play caller, good coach, has a chance to really do something special this year. And so I think this is sort of a, a moment here for Kevin. Yeah, it, it really is. And he will never, ever want the spotlight on himself. No. But he is about to win his second, second Coach of the Year award in four years. It's so funny because I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, <laughs> and there are plenty of fans that were calling for his head midseason, right? I mean, we had a... We had an unnamed colleague last year that that really rode Kevin <laughs> really hard all season long. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, he's a pretty darn good football coach. And he has had to coach up five quarterbacks this year, not just four, but actually five. And, uh, you know, he, he has done that at a very, very high level. And so, um, you know, he'll get an extension in the offseason. You know, that wasn't something that they wanted to do in the middle of the season. He wouldn't want, once again, to be a distraction of any sort. But that'll happen. He's going to be here for a long, long time. You know, the kids will get to go to Ignatius and Mags and all these great <laughs> things. Um, but um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's and he's going up against probably the runner up for NFL coach yeah. of the year in D'Amico Ryans, who has established himself as a really excellent coach in his first year. And he would be winning it if Kevin hadn't taken this team to the playoffs with four different quarterbacks at that time. So, yeah, he's been pretty amazing. And I, th- I mean, I, I had questions. I think, I think there were perfectly fair questions about Kevin Stefanski as a head coach after the last two years. Uh, but he's, he's answered all of them. Like, to me, there, there's no doubt now. This is a guy that you want to be the head coach of this football team for a long time. And look, the NFL, you got to prove yourself every single year. Uh, it's constantly changing. But I think Kevin has answered, at least for me, Ashley, like any of the questions I had about him, any of the concerns I had about him, the things that made me wonder, you know, how much is he the guy or not? He's answered all of those. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback thing alone for me is just amazing. Like the fact that he was able to have success and win with four different quarterbacks, obviously Jeff Driscoll at the fifth, but (laughs) they didn't win that game. But the fact that he had to get five ready, he won with four that mark in and of itself, and I also think just what we've been talking about, this buy-in to the culture here and this want-to-know-every-week mindset, like we talk about it all the time, you've really seen guys this year, it seems like everybody we talk to talks like Kevin Stefanski, and I think that's by design, but it also just shows how bought in they are, how much they believe everything he is telling them, and I think you've seen the results of that in the wins and losses column. Okay, we're going to take a break. Lance Reisland is going to join us on the other side, then Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us, and we will make our picks as our Orange and Brown Talk wild card preview continues. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our wild card preview continues. Browns at Texans on Saturday. And we welcome on, as we do every Friday, Lance Reisland to break down the Texans. Lance, how are you? Dan, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, look, this team is very different than the one the Browns faced on, on Christmas Eve. Uh, they're going to have C.J. Stroud. It looks like Jonathan Jonathan Grenard is going to be able to go. He's questionable. Will Anderson is, is questionable as well for this game. But this is going to be a very different Texans team. But let's start with the biggest difference, and that's C.J. Stroud. What 
has allowed him, like, why is he having the season that he's having? Um, you know, rookie of the year caliber, already putting himself in that discussion as, as a top 10 quarterback. What is allowing him to do this? Well, you know, you asked me a question on uh, early in the week. You said, what, you know, what about his interceptions? Why does he only have five interceptions? And I went back and I watched almost every one of his throws in the last three days from this year. And I actually went back and, I, and the good thing was is last year I broke him down because he was my top guy last year. So I had all his throws from Ohio State. And the thing that he does very well, first of all, physically, he's got elite footwork, um, he anticipates, he transfers his weight, he's old school fundamentals, he's not thrown off balance and off target and all, all the key terms, we all the tag words we hear. He's fundamentally sound, he transfers his weight, but then he processes at an elite level. And the term that you hear all the time is throwing people open. Well, the only way you can throw people open is if you know where the defense is going to be. So if he knows it's cover two, he knows the holes on the sideline or in the middle of the field. If it's cover three, he knows it's the seams. So when you can anticipate because you know the coverage, you could throw people open. And that's what he's doing at a high level. And his ability to um, go through his process, reset his feet and throw um, next level. He's got, you know, the thing that separated me, him for me last year, and I've seen it on a couple runs this year, is his feet. Um, I didn't realize he has as good a feet as he has, not only to just run, but within the pocket. So high level processing, high level fundamentals. He plays with a ton of ton of swag, right? He's really confident in himself. And uh he just he's just playing at a different level, and you know everybody talks about culture, and and I and I had some people disagree with me today. Well, you know what creates a good culture? Good football players, and that's what C.J. Stroud is. Him and Anderson are really good football players who have kind of kind of built that winning that winning process. I, I want to spend a little more time on the interceptions because I, I think sometimes when we talk about interceptions, it's always it's always a bad thing, right? And yes, interceptions and turnovers are bad. We've talked about how often the Browns have turned the ball over, right? But if you're a quarterback, you're going to throw some interceptions unless you are just safe all the time. And so the first thing I, I wondered, and the reason I asked you that is, okay, so he's only thrown five of them. Is he being too safe? But then I watch him play and that's not what I'm seeing. So, you know, it, it's really interesting the way he plays and the, the number of interceptions he basically hasn't thrown, I think is a really interesting combination here. You know, he's 319 for 499, so he's throwing the ball a bunch, right? So the offense is based on him. Uh, But again, I go back to what we talked about earlier, what separates him, his ability to process. Everybody at that level has pretty good arm talent, some better than others. He's got elite arm talent, but he's got great fundamentals. Um, He knows where he's going with football, and that's such an overstated thing. Um, And then he's highly accurate. If uh, We talked about it last week with Joe Flacco. So when you watch Nico Collins play, and I've seen him now in five games this year, five full games with C.J. Stroud and Howie Coffer over 1,200 yards, it's because C.J. Stroud throws such a catchable ball, and it's a different type of ball. If it's a curl, it's thrown with great velocity. If it's a seven route, it's thrown very catchable over the shoulder. Uh, If it's close, he's not absolutely peppering the guy, right? So he's he's got the right velocity. He's got the right – um, pace on the throws. And then he's also getting it to the open guy. And that sounds kind of weird too, but when you get it to the open guy in the hole, that gives that guy a chance to run with the football. So he's throwing a catch a ball in the hole. He's processing information. And that term, like I said, throwing it open. Well, he knows where the holes are in the coverage and he's reading the coverage well. So you can throw it to that hole because there's no one there because you've trusted your, you trusted your preparation. And preparation allows you to throw people open. And that's what he's doing at a high level. He's processing what the defense is giving him. And he's running the show. Without them, they're not very good. He's he's a very good football player. Okay, so now how does he match up to this kind of man-heavy scheme that the Browns run? 
Well, you know, I think it's a really – I think there's a lot of matchups I really like. Now, Grenard coming back and the other guy coming back on the other side of the ball is – we'll talk about that in a second. But defensively, man coverage has given him trouble, and here's why. Well, he could run. That helps him. But he is really high-level processing. And besides Nico Collins with Tank Dell out, this is no longer processing. It's me versus you. And Nico Collins, if the Browns have the guys to match up with Nico Collins, not that Nico Collins won't get a catch or two. He will. He'll get a big play or two. But the idea that he is going to decimate the secondary, like uh, he won't do that. Now, two things are going to happen. One is they don't have to create pressure with five, six, seven guys. They can create pressure with four or five. That gives you more coverage underneath, even with man coverage. And those linebackers do a really good job of getting underneath stuff. So you're not leaving the whole middle for those quick slants. But Browns are going to press. So you're going to see it. So if you press, now you're playing hand-in-hand with that defensive line. We've talked about it all year since the summer when Schwartz got here. So now that D-line, he has to hold a little bit better longer because they have to get off press coverage and get into a route. That's another half a second or so, and that's really all the Browns' uh, um, defensive line needs. So zone is not a good thing against him. Man is. Man is saying, you have to be better than me. And I don't think all their – I think Nico Collins is a heck of a player, and I think he's big, fast, physical guy. But besides him, they don't have guys that scare you. They have Schultz, who the Browns match up well with, regardless who's had safety. I just don't think man coverage is good for C.J. Stroud because he has to hold the ball longer against this ferocious front. So let's spend a little more time on Nico Collins then. Um, with Tank Dell out, obviously Tank was, was one of CJ's biggest targets, and now Nico has sort of taken, taken over that. What do the Browns have to worry about with Nico Collins? Well, he's a vertical threat. So last week against the Colts, he opened the game with a 75-yard touchdown pass, a uh, little high-low with Schultz on the underneath, and safety stayed there. So you talk about a guy with 80 receptions, 1,297 yards. He's ad- averaging 16.2. So going back to your thing, these guys average big numbers in the thing. They're running digs and posts and things like that. So the thing that makes him a tough matchup is he's 6'4", 215 pounds, and he runs like a little guy. So that could be tough you know, for Denzel uh, Ward because Ward's not as big. However, in the middle of the field, I think it's a great matchup because Ward's pretty physical too. Then down in the red zone, I think they can match up with Martin Emerson if they do have a problem with jump balls or position routes like a slant or a curl or a dig. Martin Emerson gives you that big body if that was the case. So they have a couple different options against him. Um, he's long. He's very good. C.J. Stroud is a really good deep thrower. When you watch him again, when C.J. Stroud's not in, it's like a guy who's, uh, you know, doesn't have his doesn't have his guy with him, and you can see he's a vertical threat. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. Highly underrated. Uh, he's a prime guy. He's a top ten guy. Uh, but the Browns match up again, and the, the longer routes he has to throw, right? The they have to hold. He has to hold the ball, and when C.J. Stroud has to hold the ball, Larry Tunsil is a good player. The rest of that defensive line is better than that offensive line of the Texans. Okay, so let's flip it. Let's talk about that pass rush. Obviously, like I mentioned, it looks like Grenard's going to play, possibly Will Anderson. How different is this Texans defense and pass rush with those two guys? Because we didn't see either of them. We saw Grenard for a little bit, but not very long on Christmas Eve. Well, you know, there's a couple things that I looked at when I looked at film. So Anderson has seven sacks, 10 tackles for a loss. Malik Collins inside has five sacks, seven tackles for a loss. Sheldon Rankins, who we really liked in free agency, has six sacks nine tackles for a loss. And then Grenard has 12.5 sacks with 15 tackles for a loss. Jerry Hughes is, is a really good player. He's also a little banged up. Derek Bernard, their other DN, he had a sack last week. He's a long physical guy. So they have guys who have, they have four guys with like five to seven to, in that five to 12 range with sacks. So a lot of different guys can do it. Um, that is what allows them if they can get pressure with four because their secondary is not awesome. 
by any means. And Perriman, Cashman, that's a guy no one talks about that I really like. Cashman, the middle linebacker. He's leading, he's leads their team in tackles. He got a ton of tackles for a loss. Um, covers well, got an interception, forced fumble. But that defensive line has to control it with just four because the secondary needs help, and they need all seven to help, especially what the Browns do with their layered concepts and the high lows and things like that. So that defensive line is going to have to be good. If those guys are banged up, the, good, the guys inside are going to get neutralized. They'll make some plays, but, but Tony and Teller are all pro too. So those guys, they for the Texans, they have to win on the edge. And if those guys are banged up, that's bad. Then they're going to have to bring more, right? And when you bring more, you put that secondary and those linebackers at risk against uh, Njoku and Cooper. I want to ask you one more thing about the offensive side for the Texans. Outside of Stroud, outside of this passing game, uh, would, can they run the ball on this defense? Well, I you know I say no. They only had, they had they had sixty uh, sixty yards last week for two point one per against the Colts, and they just don't with with Stroud's in there. That's just not what they want to do. You can tell it's a very finesse style offense when he's in there. It's very much like Ohio State where they're trying to get the ball out and those quick screens and those slants. Those those are all part of their extended run game. I do think Devin Singletary is a really good back. I think he's I think he's physical. Um, I like Damian Pierce. He hasn't been good this year, but he was real good last year. Um, but I like those two. Singletary's a tough. He t- catches the ball while the backfield, but that's more of what he's doing this year is catching the ball out of the backfield as pertain to running the ball. When they do run the ball, they run it with duo and um and zone, which means they're gonna they're gonna try to line up and double team and just try to move people. That doesn't work real well against the Browns because you have to get off on those linebackers because everybody's coming. So you're gonna see if they try to run duo and zone against the Browns, you're most likely gonna see some tackles for a loss because zone is just not good with the Brown what the Browns do. Okay, so here we go. Uh, it is time for you to lead us off with your pick. Now, I'm going to throw something else at you, and people are going to hear this when we uh, when we get to uh, Mary Kay, Ashley, and I making our picks. I also want to know how far you think this football team is going to go. This is also your playoff prediction as well. So I want your pick for the game, and then I want your playoff prediction for this football team. So what's the line? Line still? What is the line right now? What do you got the line at? As of this morning, and uh, when I talked to Tyler this morning, I think the Browns were favored by two and a half. I think it's two pointer, um, right? It's two now as we're recording this a little later in the day. So it's about two, two and a half, depending where you look. All right, I'm going to take – I think it's going to be a really good game. Once again, I'm about matchups, right? So if those defensive ends are hurting – and they're not at full strength. That hurts them because inside the Browns are better than the D tackles of the uh, um, Texans. Secondary wise, Cooper's better. Najoku's better. Defensively, I here's my call, and and I could be dead wrong. And then it puts them in a whole other category that we'll talk about a bunch this offseason when we talk about AFC matchups. He's still a rookie, and if you're going to tell me that a rookie is able to beat a Jim Schwartz defense with this amount of talent and the pass rush that he's going to see and the amount of hits he's going to see, then then he is an, he is an elite player because he's going to see stuff this week that he has not seen um, all year in terms of pressure and uh, tenacity and the constant pressure. So I think the Browns win. I think it's close, uh, but I got the Browns 23-20. Okay, and then how far do you think this team's going? Well, well, I we think- obviously don't know the matchups yet, but how far do you think this team goes? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I like the matchup with Baltimore. And why? Because, again, they match up well, the Browns' defense against that offense against, against Lamar. Now, he hurt him in the first game, but I think the Browns were feeling themselves out in that first one. This defense is elite good. And with Flacco making the plays downfield, all of a sudden it's a team you don't want to play because they all of a sudden can generate big plays, and then you have to go. Now, the, what the Browns have to do, and you and I have talked about, is they can't turn the ball over. So if they get hot here and don't turn it over – 
I absolutely think they can make it to the AFC championship. That's based on if they don't turn the ball over. Because I don't think a team in the AFC, I don't care who it is, especially if you're in the weather, you can consistently go 70, 80, 90 yards if you end every drive in a kick. And that's what I think if the Browns can end every drive in a kick, I think they can make a run. So if you ask me, I'll say if they if they don't turn the ball over, I say they make it to the AFC championship. That's my call. If they if they turn it over, then it's going to be like all year where it's give or, you know it's going to be a big play here or there. But I'm gonna I believe in running the ball. I believe in offensive, defensive lines, and I believe um, in defense. And defense wins championships. So I, I think they can go as far as long as they don't turn the football over. Okay, there we go, and you'll get to hear uh, our answers to that to those questions uh, coming up in the final segment of the podcast later. Lance Risen joins us every Friday on the Preview Pod every Wednesday to break down the film. Uh, we'll have at least one more game to break down some film off of. We'll see how far this thing goes, uh, and of course, he'll be with us throughout this playoff run and also doing stuff with us during the off season. Lance, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk wildcard preview Browns at Texans on Saturday. We welcome on, as we do every week, Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, how are you? Well, I've, you know, I've been better. The Bengals are not in the playoffs despite <laughs> having a winning record. The Browns are, so I'm happy for our listeners. But, you know, as a Bengals fan, it does pain me to have to have to watch this weekend without uh, Joe Burrow and company uh, playing like we've seen for the last couple of years. But you did get to have fun during that awful, awful week eighteen game. That was that honestly, was I did. I didn't even watch a second of it because I knew that you know we talked about the Browns weren't they were resting everyone, understandably so. I I don't put anything into that game as we were just talking about. I didn't even update my numbers off of last week. So yeah, so I don't feel. I'm, I'm sure Browns fans aren't aren't feeling bad about that. But in case you were, I, I'm not even proud of it as as a Bengals fan that you're just beating up on a team that didn't didn't care to be there. To to be fair, I was sitting there in the press box and I didn't really watch much of that game. I was <laughs> decided to work on some other things. Um, okay, so uh, you, you were telling me before we recorded there weren't a lot of updates um, to your ratings, but I do want to just as one final like one final look, just kind of remind us where everyone landed here in the top five. Yep. So as we head into the playoffs, Ravens at the top uh, with an eight point eight rating, uh, a full one point four points ahead of number two, which is San Francisco followed by the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Dolphins in the top five. And then who did you have at the bottom? The the final Hugh Jackson five, our reminder the there. final, you know, I wonder how many, I think, let's see, the Commanders already fired their coach. Uh, Bill Belichick's <laughs> supposed to be gone from the Patriots. So it's going to be interesting how many of these coaches are around next year. But um, so I've got, I've got the Patriots, followed by the Cardinals, the Giants, the Panthers, and Commanders take home the, uh, the Hugh Jackson trophy of, of the year. Well, congratulations to them. A well-earned, a well-earned award. All right, let's get, let's get right into it. We are going to go through all of the games, but of course we're going to start with the big one. Actually it works out well because it's the first game of the wild card weekend, the Browns and the Texans. So I'm looking at this on, I have all these on DraftKings right now. Browns are two and a half point road favorites. The total is 44 and a half. How do you see this game? Yeah, so for once, I'm actually kind of in, in line with oddsmakers on both the side and the total. Um, I make Browns minus a half. So, you know, anything under three is all relatively similar. Um, and then on the on the total, I project at 45. So right in line with oddsmakers at, at the 44 and a half. So not a ton of value on the side or total in this game, uh, really. But obviously, my numbers and oddsmakers are expecting this to be a, a really tight game, which is, you know, what you would hope, hope for in a, in a playoff game. 
So what do you like in this game then? So all of the, well, let me, let me start by saying I would take the Browns money line. Uh, I saw it at minus 142. Obviously, if you can get it better than that, great. Uh, I looked at DraftKings. Uh, we're recording this Thursday morning. I looked uh, about eight o'clock Thursday morning and it was minus 142. So I would take that. Uh, and then a couple of props, a um, couple of Kareem Hunt props, actually. Kareem Hunt over 23 and a half rushing yards and also Kareem Hunt anytime touchdown at, at plus 150. I think I think both are, are solid bets. Yeah, Kareem Hunt has been a touchdown machine. Um, and he, he's the guy they bring in in goal line situations, all of that. So um, yeah, that's, that's certainly a, a good spot to look. Anything as far as point bans or half totals, anything like that, that, that stands out to you in this game? No, I mean, if, if you wanted to play like the, the first half money line on the Browns too, because that, you know, as we've talked about, they, they do generally start fast. And obviously with Houston starting a rookie quarterback in his first playoff game, you know, he's had an, obviously CJ's had a great, a great year, but maybe it takes him a half to, to get in rhythm. Uh, so, you know, maybe a first half money line as well, but I just I don't like laying any any points here with the Browns really in any scenario just because like I said my my projection is basically a pick 'em. Okay, cuz yeah, I'm I'm looking like the first quarter I guess if you were looking at that the Browns are minus a half at plus 130. Um and the first quarter total seven and a half. Uh the over is plus 100, so I guess I guess if you wanted to take a chance there, you you could get some decent odds. But like you said, this game is projected to be pretty close. Yeah, well, and um, I think oddsmakers, you mentioned the seven and a half on the first quarter. I think oddsmakers have kind of caught up a little bit to the Browns, <laughs> you know, fast starts as far as the totals. Because if we could get that under seven, that would be that would be an enticing play. But, you know, seven and a half, you get the hook there. I don't I don't love it. Okay, well, Browns fans are going to need something to do after this game is over because there's still a whole weekend of football. So let's go through the rest of these games and let's just go through in order. So the next one is Miami at Kansas City. Kansas City is four and a half point favorites in this one. All of these, like like we said, are in DraftKings as of Thursday morning. Uh, Chiefs four and a half point favorites and the total on this is 43 and a half. Yeah, this is one where my number shows value on both the Dolphins and the over. However, when you look at the weather, it's supposed to be, I think I saw um, like zero degrees, you know, potentially getting as low as minus nine. So I don't know that that bodes well for, for an over. Uh, you know, I think, I think generally in those type of games, historically teams will, you know, want to run the ball more, chew clock. So I don't know that I would want to play an over there. And I also don't really love the Dolphins having to come to the cold weather either. So despite the value, you know, on the number, if this was played in a dome, I might be on the Dolphins, but man, I, I don't think I can pull the trigger in, in Kansas city. Uh, that, that's a tough one. Okay. Uh, moving along here, we get to Sunday uh, Steelers bills. This, this one, this one is big. Uh, bills are 10 point favorites at home. The total on this is 35 and a half, which is not a real high total for a game with a line that that's that big. Um, so what do you think of this one? Yeah, that that is, it is really rare that you would see a double digit spread on a total this low. I, this is actually one of my best bets. I'm going to go with the Steelers plus 10. I know we've talked about, you know, Mike Tomlin as an underdog and all of that. Uh, I think, you know, even if it, I haven't looked at the weather for this, for this game yet. Um, but the Steelers again, as an underdog, but you know, they're not, even if it is really cold or snowing or whatever, I don't, I don't really know that that affects the Steelers all that much. It doesn't really affect the bills all that much. So I think this should be pretty much these two teams playing how they play for the most part. Uh, my, my numbers show some value on the over. I don't know that I would go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I projected at 42. So quite a bit of value. I, I don't know that I would play the over here. I, I would prefer to take the Steelers plus the points. 
Yeah, it's just hard for me to see. Like, if you think this is going to be a low-scoring game, um, I just put this together. You could do Steelers plus 10 and the under 35 and a half, which, again, that's a low that's a low number. The Bills can score, but still. And note, there is no TJ Watt in this game. But Steelers plus 10 and the under 35 and a half, you could put those together and get plus 224, which... Wow. Isn't so if you think it's going to be a low scoring game, then there might be some value in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think I think that's you know one of those kind of correlated parlays where like if it's if it's going to go under, if you think it's going to go under, then I think you'd have to have to be on the Steelers plus the points. I don't know how it would go under and the Bills cover. That just seems like an unlikely outcome to me. Okay, so this game, this next game, the four thirty Sunday game is like the opposite. The line is still big. It's uh, Cowboys favored by seven and a half but the total on this one is 50 and a half yeah my number on the side is is seven so i don't know that i would particularly play a side here i do think i would go under here i, I project 47 so you know getting a full field goal value here playoff playoff game you know i i think i would be on the under here if i had to make a play okay sunday night game is rams at lions the total on this one 51 and a half so that one's even higher and the line on this one is uh lions by three at home yeah this is a game i project uh 48 so you know my number says under but both of these teams have been you know teams that i've liked to bet on as over teams this year i don't think i would play the under here Despite there not being a ton of value on my number on the side, I have the the Lions minus four. I think I would prefer to bet the Lions minus three or better as opposed to playing the total in that one. Okay, and then moving on to the Monday night game. Eagles at Bucks. I don't know why anyone would touch this game. I guess if you're sitting around <laughs> Monday and you're bored and, and you've got the itch, maybe you would. But uh, as of right now, the Eagles are road favorites. Uh, are, yeah, road favorites by three points. The total on this is 44. Well, Dan, I'm a sicko. And despite the Eagles laying three on the road, I project Tampa Bay minus two here. So I, this, is, this is actually my second best bet. I'm going to take the Bucks plus three at home. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. So, <laughs> so, but that, that's a big difference, right? I mean, the Eagles are three point favorites, but you're looking at this as the Bucks. The way you have it is the Bucks two point favorites. Yeah, my my numbers have not been very high on the Eagles all year. You know, even when they were winning a ton of games in a row, like my my numbers were not really fooled by that. Um, so I, that's a team that I've been kind of looking to fade all year, and I think this is a great spot. I think everyone's going to be on the Eagles in this game, uh, which is is going to inflate this line. So I, I would take the Bucks at three or better. Okay, so now th- I mean the other part of that is. Um, would you just take the Bucks money line in this spot? They're plus one thirty. Would would you consider that? I I would maybe if you wanted to kind of split your unit a little bit. I, I don't know that I would put like a full unit on the money line. Um, but I I I would definitely at least take the points in some capacity. And then if you want to sprinkle a little bit on the money line, I certainly would not blame you again based on my numbers. Okay, so did did we hit everything? Like like what is what was your absolute favorite bet? this week even if we already touched on it just like what was your absolute favor was it that one yeah was i mean it, yeah i guess you said that was your second yeah favorite. i mean again i'm not a huge like fade the public guy necessarily because the public is right sometimes and sometimes they're not that's how betting works but man for a, for a an nfl playoff game that's going to see so much action for there to be such a discrepancy in my line that kind of has my eyebrows up a little bit i i do think i i think the bucks probably would be 
my best bet just based on the number value and the fact that I think everyone's going to be on the Eagles. Like, oh, the Eagles are only laying three points against the Bucks. The Bucks suck. That's going to be free money. And I, those are generally the ones I like to be on the other side of. So I, I, I feel pretty good about the Bucks here. Okay. And then as we were going through that, what was your, what, what were you just kind of staying away from? You know, probably the Cowboys Packers, both of those teams have been kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, you don't really know what you're going to get from week to week. I think the Packers are playing pretty well as of late. Uh, but again, my number was tight with, with the line that that's probably one I just, I don't want any part of. Okay. Uh, Tyler Shoemaker, where can people find you? Tyler? Yeah. Read me at vison.com. Follow me on X at T shoe index. We are rolling with, with college basketball. It's consuming my life at this point. So, uh, definitely follow me, follow me on there. Get all my men's and women's college basketball picks, uh, you know, March madness right around the corner. And then we'll be into WNBA season. I do WNBA bets uh, and projections as well. So make sure you follow me there. It's, it seems like you're having a pretty good season. Uh, especially women's basketball wise. It seems like you've been doing all right yeah, this year. Yeah, women's, I mean, I'm hitting off the top of my head, I think like 62, 63% of my women's bets right now. You know, men's about 53%. So still in the positive, but not not as good as, as women's just because not as many people bet women. So the lines are much softer. I mean, I at this point, I'm pretty much setting the market. Like once I release my bets publicly and then everyone that follows me goes and bets it, like the whole market moves. It's crazy to see. Well, listen- if you're hitting 53%, if you're out there listening, you're hitting 53%, that's pretty good. If you're hitting 62%, yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah, phenomenal. I mean, the the gold standard, like for any professional better aspires to hit, you know, between 55, 60% is like, you can maybe do that, you know, for a season or two, but over, over five or 10 years, 55% is outstanding. That That's the best of the best. All right. So go find Tyler, go follow him, all those places that he told you. And again, we'll continue to have him on uh, the Orange Brown Talk podcast every week for however long this Browns run goes. Tyler, appreciate right, the time. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Tyler. They'll be continuing to join us for however long this playoff run continues. Uh, and of course, you can also hear Lance every Wednesday as he breaks down the film from the previous game. So it is time for us to make our picks. Uh, Wildcard weekend, first playoff picks. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. Let's make the game pick. And then why don't we call our shot here and make a pick for how far we think the Browns are going to go. Do we want to do that? Okay. Sure. Who wants to go first? Now that I just threw that out there. You go first. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) All right. Well, the Browns are going to win this weekend. They're going to win... I think it might be a game that's close for a little while that the Browns kind of stretch out towards the end. Um, I think they'll win this game. I'm going to go 24 to 16, I think. Let's go 24 to 16. I don't think it's going to necessarily feel that close. Um, But I think think C.J. Stroud is going to have a good game. I think the Texans are going to be significantly better than they were on Christmas Eve. The Browns are the better football team. They're going to win this game. how far do I think the Browns are going to go? I guess it depends when they play Baltimore. <laughs> that's the one, because that's, I think, the team that I would pick them to lose to. I mean, I think going to Kansas City is hard. Going to Buffalo is hard. Like, these ga- these matchups are going to be hard. But I think they're going to make it to... I think they're. I don't think it's going to be chalk this weekend. So I don't think they're going to play Baltimore next weekend. So I'm going to say that the Browns make it to the AFC Championship game. That's that's what I'll pick for right now. Without knowing the matchups, without knowing how this is going to play out, 
I think they're going to make it to the AFC Championship game. I do think when it comes down to it and they have to face the Ravens in Baltimore, not that they can't beat the Ravens, but I think I would pick the Ravens to win that game. So I'm going to say that happens in the AFC Championship game. But they win this weekend. I'm going to end it on a positive note. <laughs> they win this weekend, and uh, they who knows, maybe they'll get a home game. Maybe things will really break their way, and they'll yeah. get a home game next weekend. Uh, but anyway, there's, there's my picks and my uh, prediction. Who wants to go next? I can go next. I also think the Browns are going to win this weekend. I do think, like you said, Dan, I think they're the better team. I think, like, even though the Texans have CJ back, the fact that their two edge rushers have just been hampered with injuries in Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard, I think that's huge. I think that's a big loss for them. Um, And I do think these Browns are just going to go out there. Like you said, Joe Flacco's never lost in the wild card round. I think with his experience, how confident this defense is, I'm going to go Browns, similar score to you, Dan, I think. I'll go Browns 28-17 to 17 for no real rhyme or reason other than the fact <laughs> I'm being asked to pick a score on the spot here. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how far I think this team is going to go, and I think I just have to go with my gut, um, which might not make any sense given recent history in this building, but I think this team is going to go to the Super Bowl right now. And that's, again, without knowing any matchups. Um, maybe I'm jinxing it. But there's just something about the fact of this Joe Flacco story and that he's here and that I don't know if there is a better story than him going and winning a playoff game in Baltimore when everyone would be counting this team out. I think nationally, the Browns are still so underrated to me, and I think that's a good place to be in. So maybe I'm a bit of an optimist here, which is unlike me, but... I just can't get over the fact that everyone's just assuming Baltimore is going to win the AFC title. And I'm not so confident that's going to happen. We've seen this team beat Baltimore once. Yes, they had Deshaun Watson. But, man, I don't know that there's a quarterback out there that knows John Harbaugh better than Joe Flacco. That is true. That That is true. I mean, look, I, I think a Baltimore matchup is going to be great. But, again, that's... Uh... I just what want I, to be optimistic for that's a change, fair, that's I guess. Fair. And, you I know, see, oh, wait, wait. wait I'm, not gonna totally sit here. I'm not going to sit here and say AFC Championship is not optimistic. It Let's is not, optimistic, but I'm, I'm, I'm on another level, Dan. I'm on another level. I've been joking. It's Zen Ashley in the New Year. We made it about 10 days before <laughs> Ashley was not so Zen anymore. But we're getting back there. We're finding our way. As Dan said, Zen Ashley starts in the new league year. Right, the new league year. That's when our resolutions take over. All right, Mary Kay, you're up. I think I talked Ashley into the whole Super I think Bowl you did, game, too. Right? I, mean, I thought you were waiting to go last because you knew you were going to be the one to pick up the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, so I Ashley let, stole your I, I thunder. Now her, I'm turning this against I Ashley. Her, I know. Now Mary Kay's going to pick AFC Championship. I let her steal my thunder. She knew I was going there. I've been all about this for yeah. I've been all about this for a week. I brought her over to the dark side or the light side, depending on how you uh, how you look at it. So yeah, you you guys know that I've been uh, I've been uh, singing the praises of this football team for a long time, um, and even early on when Joe first kind of took over, I started to have a feeling that something special was going on here, and that. Um, you know, that they could possibly keep it going if they were able to score some points to go along with that explosive defense. And there's also something very, very culturally special about this team. It's the most close-knit team I've ever covered. And I'm talking about 30 years. 
I've had this feeling for a long time that there's something very, very special about this team, that it's a very close-knit team. They believe that they are going to do this. They have an overwhelming belief that their goals will not be accomplished until they hoist the Lombardi Trophy. I've never seen anything like it. And it's going to take every ounce of mind power they can muster to, to go in and beat a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but I think everyone else is pretty beatable for them, uh, including when they get to the Super Bowl. So I think this is their year, and I think they're going to do it. And um, I think they're going to win this game 27-24. to 24. I think C.J. Stroud is going to face the best defense that he has faced all season. They're going to play really well against him. And then I think they're going to keep this playoff train chugging along. All right, there we go. Our picks for the playoffs and for this game. Uh, you can find full coverage of the game at cleveland.com slash browns, which is where you can become a football insider subscriber. It's the blue banner on the top of that page. Find us on Instagram. We've been getting some followers there, so we appreciate that. Search Orange and Brown Talk and hit that follow button. And also find us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. If you search there, you'll find us. For Mary Kay, Ashley, Lance, and Tyler, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.